Dr. Robin Axelrod. On my drive to work one morning, I thought, how could I promote unity between OT and OTA students? How could I foster communication and leadership skills and promote our amazing profession? Welcome to my OT Journey podcast. Welcome to the My OT Journey podcast. I am joined today by Christopher Murata. Christopher Murata is an occupational therapist currently working at the Henry Viscardi School in Albertson, New York. But before we start, I want to share that this podcast is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an amazing program that students can use to study for the MBCOT exam. Have you checked it out? You should. Use Robin20 and you'll get 20% off of your order. Okay, so we are back. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. Hi, Robin. Thank you for having me. So I am fortunate to have Chris. Chris or Christopher, um, speak to my students at LIU Brooklyn this past semester, and it was really an amazing experience. The students gained tremendously from that experience, and we're here today to discuss um, Chris's journey, how he became an OT, how he chose that, and how he became working in the area of practice that he is today, and which he is an expert in AT, um, and we're going to have a little talk about that today. So welcome. Um, Can we start talking about how you decided to choose OT as a career? How did that happen? So what I've learned over the years is that most people learn about OT when they're in college, but I've learned about OT when I was in elementary school in a career fair. It turns out a friend of mine in class, mother, worked in a rehab hospital and was an OT, and she showed us all the tools that she used and talked about rehab. And at the time, Mm -hmm. my father at home was sick uh, with a neuromuscular uh, disorder, which I learned more about when I when I was older. And I always wanted to kind of go into the healthcare field after that. So I continued to pursue and actually applied to colleges like Downstate when I, before I could even apply. So I had to uh, change course and I ended up applying to Stony Brook to follow that track and graduated in 2002 from a bachelor's degree in OT. Wow. So that, that was a really uh, different exposure than most people. Most people, you know, have a later on, but that's really early and that's great. Yes. And, 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 and how did that go? I mean, from your OT, um, you know, your first experience graduating, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you know what area you wanted to work in? What was that like? So I, I spent a lot of time doing volunteer work at Southside Hospital in outpatient. So for all those hours that I spent there and then spending time in inpatient rehab, I always thought I was going to graduate and work in hand therapy and get certified in hand therapy. And for the 20 plus years that I've been working, I spent one day in outpatient covering for somebody. So it did not become the track that I followed uh, or the course. Uh, So it actually, when I was a student at Stony Stony Brook, I did my internship at St. Charles Hospital and was in inpatient rehab. And from there, I ended up uh, landing a job and worked there for five years. Uh, so that's kind of where the path took me. And outpatient became nothing. It kind of fell off my list of things I wanted to do as an OT. And I've done a lot of different things. And that one that I thought I was going to do wasn't wasn't the path I took. So what happened from there? Where did you go from there in terms of your career? So as an OT at St. Charles, I, I kind of went into doing home care and worked with adults at home. 
uh, and gradually started doing work in group homes. Uh, after work, I worked in a group home twice a week, uh, providing OT services. And then from there, what happened was after a few years of working at the hospital, I worked a lot in outpatient, in um, orthopedics and gradually went into neuro and because I wanted to kind of explore a different area. And when I did enter the neuro field, I started working in pediatrics at the hospital, more with teenagers and brain injury. And while I was there and at St. Charles, a position came up at the Henry Riscardi School. And it turns out the Henry Riscardi School was some pl a place that I did 20 hours of fieldwork level one in. And when I was there, I fell in love with the place because of their use of technology. Uh, their use of assistive tech, just technology in general in the classroom. Uh, they had smart boards before we saw smart boards in regular ed schools. Uh, so I always had that in the back of my head as a place that I would probably love to work in, but I never really wanted to work in pediatrics. Uh, and my wife, who's an OT also, uh, we graduated together. She's been working in pediatrics since we since graduation, and she's a preschool therapist. And she did her clinical internship at Henry Riscardi School. So I got to learn about the school and what they did through her when she came home each day uh, from doing her clinicals. Uh, so I decided, why not? put my application in and did the interview and I've been there since. And I'm glad I went there because I learned a lot about assistive tech and pediatrics. And I was able to use a lot of the skills I learned in rehab and how to work with uh, neuromuscular disorders and musculoskeletal disorders. So that, that was helpful. And can you tell us a little bit about the Henry Viscardi school? Um, what type of diagnoses do you treat? Um, what is it like working there? What's the environment like? So I consider the school just like any other school. It's just kids that are in wheelchairs and walking around in walkers. But uh, it it's follows the same curriculum as a regular public school would or private school. The kids are taking regions classes. They're just modified for each individual in some ways. Uh, we have kids from kindergarten all the way up until 21. Uh, it is a school primarily created for originally by Dr. Riscardi because students at before IDA and things had changed with education, these students were at home seeing a teacher once a week. Uh, so he wanted to create a, a place that they could be together with other students that had similar disabilities and be able to go to school and socialize and just be like everyone else. Uh, so the students primarily now what we see there are kids who have cerebral palsy, uh, muscular dystrophy, uh, spinal muscular atrophy, arthropsis. Uh, there's some Guillain-Barre. Uh, there's disorders that there's times that you never even heard of them in your life. And there's two people in the whole United States and one of them comes to our school. So it is very it's it's very different than any other place because you see such a wide array of disorders. Uh, and because it's physical and there's medically fragile, we have a full nursing staff at, at school. The nurses there don't just give out Band-Aids. They're providing feedings, giving seizure medications. Uh, there's a bathroom staff that works with the kids. We have health aides that work there. So there's a bathroom staff for boys and one for girls. 
Uh, we have therapies provided at school. So our related services, OT, PT, and speech, there's probably about seven or eight in each department. So they provide services and we work in the classrooms with the teachers. Uh, we have a hearing teacher, a dance movement therapy program for students for more mental health. Uh, the There's an elementary, a middle school, and a high school and a ramp program. So the ramp program is when you or turn 18 and you're not going to continue to go to college or go into vocational program, you could actually stay until you're 21. So it's like a transitional program more focused on learning skills of daily living and the just being able to do some type of work experience in the school at the same time, which is nice. So we, we could get involved in that realm also. Wow, that sounds like a really wonderful <laughs> environment to work in. And uh, are there are a lot of OTs that you work with. Is there like an OT department or how many OTs and PTs are there? So we have eight OTs oh, wow. uh, in the department. And our office is much smaller than the PT department, which has seven PTs. But that's okay. We just, we're in a different location of the school now. Uh, and that's the space we're given. Uh, but we have a I, an office for us to do our paperwork and then we have a couple of different uh, spaces to do to have our OT treatment sessions so even though we're working with kids with special needs and they're in wheelchairs we still have our our swing and and different things like that so that's that's all and plints and transfer kids to the table and every once in a while work on ADLs if we have to or make some cookies in our toaster oven. So we, because where we work is so different and we are addressing the IP goals, we try to still make it fun and work on some other ADL skills because we know these kids are going to be transitioning. One day they'll be at home and in schools and making themselves ramen noodles in college or who, who knows. So if we can, and we know they'll have that ability, we try to work on that before they leave us. Wow, that's really that's really great. Um, I, I mean, it sounds like a great place to work. Um, you are focused. I mean, you have a, a, a huge focus on AT. Um, how did that come to be? So I've always liked to tinker and make stuff, and I've always liked technology. Um, my first computer was learning to hit press C and colon and DOS mode. So I was always been on the computer. And when I learned about Viscardi, what they do with the different programs, all that stuff came more natural to me. So it was easy to learn that aspect of it. And, but little by little through mentoring of the rest of the department, because they were very helpful. And one, one person in particular, Maureen, uh, she was a resident certified ATP. Uh, so she went back she got certified in assistive technology. So she knew a lot of different things. So all the, from the aspects of devices for the computer to communication. So learning from her and the other OTs, I got to learn about every aspect of AT at school because we have kids that are nonverbal and use communication devices. We have kids that are in power chairs. So there's programming involved, uh, using the computer, uh, using environmental controls. So I got to learn about everything. And over the years, I, still try to keep up with what's new and things like that because I think it's important uh, to know what's out there because not everything works for one individual. You have to, there's always going to be a need to continue to look for something that maybe that you need just for that particular person. 
even though you're seeing trends, and that's a good thing about where I work, you see trends in what works and what doesn't work and what works for a type of population and what doesn't. Uh, but even with that, you could have the same, the kid might look the same and, and move the same, but they may not have that same particular access method. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and you teach as an adjunct professor as well. How did you get into teaching? Like, how did that come about? So that is something just like thinking that I was going to go into (laughs) becoming a hand therapist. I never thought that I would be in front of a classroom teacher. In school, I didn't even like doing presentations. So uh, what happened was being that I am into assistive tech, uh, a professor from Stony Brook uh, put out that the weekend program, they used to have a CODA to OT program there on the weekends. And she sent me an email and called me and said, do you want to be part of this program and teach assistive tech for the semester? And I said, okay, I'll try it out and see how it goes. So I put together uh, a bunch of lectures and, and from then, and I guess it was a smaller group, and from then on, it just became a thing. I I put the work in. I put the put the lectures together, the presentations together, and I just built on them little by little. And then more and more people learned about what I do, and they they called me out. and And it's gone to even being able to present at conferences and things like that, which I think is amazing. Because the more like more people I could get to know what's out there, the better. Yeah, I mean, you were really wonderful when you came to speak to our students. So I think it's really wonderful that you're doing this. Um, you. Could you share with us um, maybe, you know, a challenge or a difficulty that you've encountered during your career path and then something that you're super proud of or a, a success, like a youth success, um, you know, up to, up to right now? So what I really find challenging, because I work with such severely disabled children, and some of them are just such complex bodies, it, it's such a, it's, I feel like I fail sometimes when I try so hard to give somebody a method of access, because I know we're in a school, they, they're, they should be a student in the classroom. They should be able to communicate and talk if they're nonverbal. They should be able to write on a computer to answer a question. Uh, they should be able to tell the teacher yes and no in some manner. And when I'm not able to find that and I spend a whole year doing it and it just feels like, okay, eventually I have to just give up and let someone else try. And maybe it's not me. Maybe it's just the child's not ready, but that that gets to me and it's and but I try it just makes me want to try harder and find new avenues and research more and look into what's out there and speak to more people and try to figure out other things. And it it actually gets me to collaborate more and work with other professionals or the PT, the speech therapists. But that that and I've had that. I've had years of working on some with somebody and not getting anywhere. So that that's that is tough as being a, an OT. But I've learned you could do some you could work with a, a child's in pediatrics and and it's much different than an adult an adults a day in rehab and you see something happen or change but with a kid it could be months or years and then they do it and it's you're you're done you could i tell them okay go home now like it's i'm going home and i'm going to 
go take a nap on my couch and just be happy that you did this kind of thing. Uh, and that's kind of like what you live for and work for is just that moment. And if it happens once every few years, I'm good <laughs> kind of thing. Cause if you could change the life of one kid in one way, uh, that's such a big, big accomplishment. Uh, and as far as something that I'm proud of, um, speaking of access, I had worked with the student at Viscardi who is now, who graduated and is at home, uh, but access was was something that was a challenge for him. His body was would change from after a week vacation from school. He would come back and we would have to figure things out again. And when he... When he was 18, I finally had him on my caseload. So I knew how he, how he was with other therapists and what they tried and things like that. And I found a method of access for him uh, using a single adapted switch that he put between his legs, between his knees. So I found this point. I made a custom mount. There wasn't anything out there. So I made something from scratch and made it so it would withstand and sustain the, the the amount of force that he gave on the switch. And from that, we went from him using his communication device just once in a while to using it all the time uh, to the point that I think it was that his Dynavox would uh, smoke out. It would just overheat and they would shut down. So we ended up getting him finally an iPad and from then, and learning how to use switch scanning and the new technology that came out, he has gone from A to Z. He could he he showed me things that he could do with one switch, one little button, and being able to do things like send me messages on in on iMessage, go onto Facebook. Uh, he's the last week I was at a, I had a conference and he sent me a, a screen recording of him being able to use iTunes and play music. Uh, he orders himself movie tickets. He orders DoorDash once a week on Fridays from Cheesecake Factory and has it delivered to his house. And this is all through that one method of access that we were, I was finally able to find for him and he's flourished from it. So that's like, again, I could, I could, go on that high for uh, many years and be fine with that because I know what, what, and his parents tell me all the time that he's like the, what we were able to accomplish with, with something like that. It's because I always feel if you could find that access point, it could lead to so many different things for a student. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And, and so gratifying. I mean, yeah. it must feel, feel really good. And and that's why you're doing what you're doing is because you, you know, mm -hmm. you love what you're doing you're having success and you're changing lives. And, and that's really amazing to hear. If some, if a student wanted to go into this area of practice, what would you tell them? What tips would you give them? If they wanted to go into AT. So as far as with the A2 realm, it's definitely the experience. So if you could get into a place that utilizes it, most OTs probably in a school environment or system don't really have that same exposure. So it would be if you did want to get into it is to look into Resna, uh, the certification program, because in order to get that, you don't even have to get into the same technology that I get into. When I was at St. Charles, I worked with DME equipment, wheelchairs, commodes, uh, 
transfer tub benches. All that stuff is assistive technology. It's just low-tech low DME. And I could have went and had my ATP certification just from that. So you kind of start in that realm and then just keep on taking classes. And hopefully there is a place out there uh, that uses technology and you could kind of either volunteer and gather that information and take courses and eventually get into that type of system. But I know for pediatrics, there are therapists that for like, for say the board of ed, there's a center of assistive technology that keeps on growing. uh, And it's because of the need for more technology for students with need with physical and cognitive needs. So one final question, um, what would you tell students? What tips would you share with them? Um, as they go into the field? So no matter what I've learned working where I am and being around other OTs and other professionals is that those professionals that are around you are people that you can learn from. And you have to definitely be open to listen to them and observe them and take feedback if they give it to you. And they're going to make you such a well-rounded professional in the long run. So be open to listen and and observe. Uh, I always tell students that if you write, if you're new somewhere and you write a report, have your colleague read it and let them give you feedback because they've been doing it for so long. So they know what they're talking about. So to, to take that and to utilize and have a mentor. Eventually, there's so many people I consider where I work to be mentors of mine because I try to follow how they how they work with students, how they work with staff, how they work with families. And, and that's important is just be open to listen because you are the next generation of, of therapists. So from when I leave where I am, I hope that everyone that has come after me can continue what we do as, as a department uh, being, we are, we adapt, we utilize technology. We do, do the stuff that other therapists do and sit down and do handwriting with students when we have that, that occasion that we have a student that could do it. Uh, but the stuff that we've learned over time, we need to pass on. And the only way to do that is to have st- new therapists be able to absorb that and be open to absorb that. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that students are often hesitant to ask the questions and they feel like they're being judged or like they're bad questions, but there are, there are no real bad questions. I think it's important to ask and that's a great tip. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure and um, good luck in all of your endeavors. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. If you want to follow Christopher, you can follow him on LinkedIn. Um, That's the best place to reach him. Christopher Murata at LinkedIn. And also on Instagram at ChrisOTAT. I want to mention that if you haven't checked out TrueLearn, you need to check them out today. 1,500 plus practice questions, a first time pass guarantee. And if you want 20% off your order, you can use the code ROBIN20. Check out their website today, TrueLearn.com. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you to the student contributors. If you liked it, please subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook at MyOTJourney, and on Instagram at MyOTJourneyPodcast. Thanks for listening. Go OT!